This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Absolute Units. They're large, they're chunky, and you know it when you see it. For 10% added to your next Absolute Unit, go to facebook.net forward slash Absolute Units. Amen. And now on with the show. Well, hello again. Hello. We're back after a smaller pause. A smaller break, but yeah. it's not going to be a break to the people listening at home. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I feel like actually my the art I've been ingesting or the media, whatever we call it, been pretty fertile lately. Yeah. Um, I've watched a number of really great movies. Mm-hmm. Um. I I have this I have this kind of apprehension about watching movies now, which I hate. It's this like non-committal thing where I don't want to watch. I don't want to commit to sitting down and like paying attention to a whole movie anymore. That's sad. You know? Well, it, yeah. I cured myself of it by watching two great movies in one day. So. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh but I I I go and sit down and, you know, I open up my Netflix and my Netflix queue is like very carefully curated of, oh, of like Oscar nominated or just movies of substance that I think I will enjoy. It's not yeah. like, you know, it's not like all fluff in there. And I sit and I look at, through my queue and I go, I just don't really feel like, like checking in. It takes a lot of watching. mental energy yeah. too if you're tired. And uh, so I sat down. Uh, on Saturday, was it, maybe? Yeah. And I watched two really, really good movies. I watched, uh, I told you that I watched The Big Sleep. Yes. Which is a noir starring Humphrey Bogart and Mm. Lauren Bacall. And it is, it's like a 40s mystery gumshoe private detective thing. He's, you know the private detective Humphrey Humphrey Bogart is like unbelievably suave and cool and he smokes cigarettes all the time and he's got like a pocket it looks like he's got a wallet chain on but it's his pocket watch it's uh-huh. kind of weird actually it's kind of like a weird like gangster vibe yeah. you know, with his like suits and like the high-waisted pants but so you know the private detective's hired by this immensely rich retired colonel from the army yeah <laughs> and like he goes to visit the colonel and the colonel's like all old and frail and he can't, you know, he can't drink, he can't smoke, and he's always super cold, so he, like, has to sit out in his greenhouse. Nice. Like, wrapped in blankets. Like, just... Yeah, yeah. Like, a really cool... It, it was just a cool movie. And then, you know, Humphrey Bogart's character has to has to engage in this really convoluted, complex mystery with a lot of characters and moving parts and the police might be involved and maybe a gang and racketeer like you know mm. i love that sort of thing that complex kind of so then i watched i watched that and then i watched uh mccabe and mrs miller which is like i would classify it as a neo-western it was the one that i was mm. showing you today yeah uh shot that in beautiful 71 in blu-ray yeah um and a really, really, like, truly stunning, like, stained glass-looking movie where um, 
the like real really the poverty and the dirt and the filth yeah, of the frontier life is starkly juxtaposed by the rugged beauty that they are living in right because they're living in what we would camp in now mm. i like that idea very much i do too that's one of the reasons i love westerns yeah um i was i was thinking you've been on this big noir kick recently big maybe time. next episode or the one after or something we should have a double bill noir themed one could watch a couple of these and do like yeah a noir themed episode i love noir movies that could be so fun. much let's maybe we should do that those in westerns are like really what i'm into right now so i watched those been listening to lots of great music uh we'll get into that been been writing more music haven't been doing as much writing on the books lately just because i haven't had time or energy like it, it takes a takes concerted effort to embark on a literary project i was <laughs> i was talking to our mutual friend olivia yes yesterday about how I have so many things I'm into. I've learned as I get older to be at peace with the fact that everything comes and goes. And like, I I follow, you know, I have probably five or six big hobbies that I like to do and I can't do all of them all at once. So I have to accept that um, as I play more games and do research on Investing, I don't watch as many movies. And when I, I go out and do more photography trips, it probably means that I'm playing the piano less. And that's just kind of the way it has to be. I don't have to give any one of them up, but they all just kind of enter in and, and get put on pause sometimes and whatever. Yeah, I really do. I really do require some sort of creative outlet. Yeah, I just I'm, can't do all of them all the time. No, that's no, all. no, I know. But uh, like, I really do have to be making something. Um, like constantly or else I get really really mm -hmm. miserable and twitchy when you were over at the house earlier today at my house I meant to show you because I got this beautiful 11 by 14 print made oh. uh, as a uh, gift for one of my friends put it in this floating glass frame and uh, it looks beautiful if I do say so myself I got it for the L &E? wedding yeah, yeah. Um, I got. I, I mean, I doubt it's not even listen to the show. And also, so. they're going to be married by the time this goes live. Oh, so hell. who cares? Leighton and Emily, congrats! Yeah. You're yeah. both wonderful, beautiful people. I, I love you both. Yeah. I got it on this nice uh, fine art paper because the place I got it printed at has like five different kinds of paper. So it has this very visible tooth. Can I just can... say, I love different kinds of paper. Oh yeah, you're very much speaking my love language. Right oh now. yeah. So it has like a medium tooth, so you can see nice. the texture yep. of it. Yep. And it's like a semi-gloss bordering on gloss. It has a deep luster, and the colors are so perfect. It's this deep... What is the picture? It's that firelit tree that I put on Instagram a little while ago. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. And I'm really bad at getting people gifts, and Leighton commented and said, do you sell a print? And I was like, no, but I can give you one. Um, nice. And it's like I'm this gonna, deep, I'm going to quick go and look at that photo while you're... oceanic blue in the sky. It's a starlit sky. And then these firelit trees, this bright orange. Mm. I changed the colors a little bit for the print from the post, and I like the print better than the post. Yeah, which is um, good. Yeah, which is Oh, yes. Good. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, it's an, 11 by, it's an 11 by 14 print suspended in a full glass 16 by 20 frame. That was Olivia's idea, the frame. Nice. Shout out to Olivia. So hey, it's Olivia. just, it's a thin, it's thinner than that black frame. It's only about an inch thick. And then like a few inches of glass borders the picture. Looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a good look. Yeah. Also, uh, I need you to get me some photos of some 
cut down trees. Yeah, for sure. Uh, carnage. Woodland carnage. Was that everything that you've been doing? I get. Oh, I mean, I've been playing Tomb Raider quite a bit. You know that. Yeah. Um, you should talk about Fall Guys for a minute. <laughs> it's not in the no, no, realm yeah, of we the will. show. But. I've, I've been enjoying a video game, Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's very much like Uncharted or kind of a... Uh, um, what would you say? An Indiana Jones a kind of like vibe, action. very Indiana yeah. Jones. I mean, a lot of people I, know I think, Tomb Raider. Yeah, I think most people know Tomb Raider, but uh, it's one of the newer ones that came out a couple of years ago, and it's it's good fun. It's yeah. not uh, it's not rocking my world or anything, but I got kind of stuck on a boss in Dark Souls that was really frustrating me, and so I just kind of diverted, and I've been playing uh, a much more mellow mm. <laughs> game. But uh, but still enjoyable. But I, I have found, I was ranting to you earlier today, so I'll keep it short. But I have found some of the controls to be kind of frustrating. Yeah. Especially with the climbing mechanics, which really sucks because so much of the game is built around, like, the climbing abilities that mm-hmm. your character has. Your I, climbing. I enjoyed them. I never found that to be an issue, but I, I don't know what's up with that. I was just thinking while you were talking about Rise of the Tomb Raider, I wonder... If you went back, like, roughly two years in our backlog, you could probably find me talking about it. It would be funny to compare our thoughts. Because it's been a while since I played it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I do remember you playing it. Yeah. I've played all three of those modern being games. Like, they're just, dude, they're like, really fun. Look at when she dies, like, she actually gets impaled. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> she sounds does. like The me. deaths yeah. are pretty gruesome. They are. Um, but, yeah, I've been doing that, and the the game Fall Guys which many many people is it a PlayStation ex- exclusive no. no it's incredibly fo- popular right yeah so it's uh, it's kind of the new craze i didn't realize how popular it was when i Very. when i downloaded it for free with my ps plus account but uh but i've been playing that uh, hop in and play like a couple of games it's kind of like a takeshi's castle wipeout yeah. ninja warrior whatever it kind of kind of game and you play as like a little bean shaped dude you can brightly costume yourself and then you run down these big absurd obstacle courses try and you know be the you know it'll have a cutoff of like 30 30 people past the finish line and then the rest are eliminated and then another one will be a team game where it could be like you know five three teams of five or something like that and the losing team is eliminated and then at the very end you know it comes down to just one character and that character wins out of 60. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly difficult. It's very chaotic. It's not like a precision game. Only partially skill-based. Yeah. And I have not won a single game. But Hannah has now won three, I believe, in total. <laughs> and uh, is very obsessed with uh, with playing Fall She's Guys. into it. I appreciate she it. She loves it. She's gotten much better on the sticks for our 3D games in terms of camera control yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. This might be the sort of game that you need to uh, give her the literacy to kind of play whatever she wants to. Yeah, but she, she like, in, in terms of wanting to play games, she really just wants games like Fall Guys. Yeah, but now, like, she'll have the tools to play whatever she wants, yeah, whereas no, beforehand she... There's a bit of a barrier there. Run around in Red Dead or whatever, but it was kind of like, you know... It was tough to watch. Yeah, a lot of times the camera's just pointing at the sky and it's yeah. like... and then you just hear guns. Yeah. We don't... Uh, <laughs> we've never been people who are playing games for five hours a day or whatever, but... Never. No, never. But <laughs> well, even with our uh, our 
moderate experience you don't realize how much like literacy is required to play how modern much muscle games. memory yeah. is in you just from working the twin sticks and like buttons at the same time yeah yeah absolutely there's yeah i certainly take no notice of it when i'm playing a game. yeah just it's it's like reading a book it's it is literacy um so yeah i've been playing fall guys a little bit i think that that's pretty much it i haven't been reading anything new um though i want to be i just i need more hours in a day i hear you i um i've done a lot since we recorded too i read a brave new world by aldous huxley which is a 1930s a classic book is it no it's like a little under 200 pages yeah uh don't you in, find it kind of amazing when you read like a good book and it's like less than succinct. 200 it's yeah. like fear and loathing in las vegas heart of darkness or the road mm-hmm. all of those books are short very and you and then you you look at you know the the immense literary books that everybody thinks of as the greats and seriously i think page count word count has something to do with it's like movies like it depends there's something i really love we love the edge chronicles these were books from when we were growing up we should do an episode on them sometime these crazy amazing fantasy books and the 11th or 12th in the series was the final one and it was set much more in the future than the others i think it was 662 pages long and i've read it three times so far and uh every time yeah wow i read it and i read it like very soon after the first time then a few years later i went back to it and every time the feeling of sitting down and knowing it's just a great book and i'm going to be reading this for i don't know how long that takes you 25 hours or something is so good depends so comforting yeah i mean blood meridian is also a pretty it's not 600 pages Mm -hmm. but like it's a it's a mid-length book it's dense yeah and it's dense boy it's like that cornbread yeah that dense you know these cornbread muffins oh my goodness oh my god and i had i had one dad was a big fan i had one and i was like that's decent and dad's like if you have more you're gonna love them and he's right it's like and now him and i are on this huge cornbread kick and mom's like i don't think they're very good but oh my gosh i could smoke like eight cornbread muffins at once literally he's smoking yeah yes disgusting uh it's a little bit too damp though Okay. You didn't That's even enough. ask me what I've been playing. I don't care. Okay. You've been talking about cornbread for far too long. That's true. I also just farted. I had to mask it with something. What have you been playing lately? Well, I've, I've been... A lot of stuff in general. What's that? Sorry. I've been just enjoying a lot of stuff You're going to have to wait until this is done because yeah. it's okay. really loud. It's incredibly loud right now. It's it's stuff. It's reasons like that that nobody listens to this show. No, there's a, there's a lot of reasons. No, I think it's mainly things like the that. shaky upload schedule. What? The We're very consistently non-existent SEO. Ladies and gentlemen, you are aboard the Good Ship Brothership. I'm your host Grant. This is your other host, my brother. This is the Jason. only arts podcast that covers film music gaming literature and scrimshaw scrimshaw what is scrimshaw whalebone carving there you go we just covered it yep (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no false so, advertising today. Okay, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Good Ship Brothership. We're going to let the theme music play you out. You ever think that maybe there's I'm another arts podcast that covers film, music, gaming, literature, and something else? And But probably not Scrimshaw, so we're fine. Yeah. There, well, I guarantee you there is not a specialty Scrimshaw yeah. Yeah. podcast yeah in the hold on now unfortunately you've had to dial back the scrimshaw because moving to a smaller basement there's barely any room to keep the giant theme music machine or the fellow who operates it um, uh, along with the entire whale carcass you need to yeah. effectively produce scrimshaw <laughs> it's unbelievable there's so much excess of blubber though okay oh thank goodness Wait, what did you obsessed think? with joseph scrimshaw i don't know who joseph scrimshaw is is Scrimshaw still whale bones? Uh, oh, it's Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw. Jo- it's a comedy podcast. So but, that's entirely... But Scrimshaw... Yeah, there you go. Oh. Isn't that kind of wow. cool? Wow. It, it's kind of... It's like a very... It's a very nautical thing. Yeah. So obviously. It's, it's like a, a whale tooth. I No, they don't have teeth. They don't it's just a teeth. whale bone yeah, but they, with a very detailed uh, etching of like yeah. a ship on the waves. Yeah, and then they they oh rub them goodness. with ink. That's beautiful. So they rub them with ink. Isn't that isn't that cool? Yeah, look at that. Look at how beautiful that is. That's very nice. They're very cool. They're I don't all, know where I heard. They're about all it, nautical themed. How kind of stuck with the me. first person come upon a whale carcass and they were like, I bet you I could draw a ship on one of its bones. Well, here's the thing though. Seriously, you got like when people when whaling was like a big yeah. enterprise. Like, what do you do for fun? On a on True. a whaling vessel, like for hours at sea, you'd probably just like just doodling away on a whalebone, and then I mean you would have had ink and little ink wells at that point, guess, and then yeah. they probably thought, how can I make this stand out a little bit more? Minus yeah. carving, dump some ink on there, and then a whole new art form. I think that that is it. Just it's a testament to how you know humans will try and make something beautiful, something creative. Also, I never noticed the little whale. That one's particularly beautiful. Human beings will try and make something beautiful no matter what you give them. It's true. I was just thinking the other day. <laughs> this this is how... actually turning into a Scrimshaw podcast. It is. <laughs> I was thinking the other day about how people, uh, like, what did people used to do for fun? Because I was looking at the excellent Instagram page. If you all have Instagram, check out this page. It's historical pics, but it's historical P-I-X. And... Uh, it was a picture of these two guys who were anchor men from a ship from around the year yeah. 1900. I'm like, dude, that looks like the most miserable existence of all time. So maybe they were doing some scrimshaw just to kind of, you know, stay entertained. Scrimshaw we're looking at is, scrimshaw on eBay now. Uh, scrimshaw is very expensive. You can get a reproduction scrimshaw eagle for twenty six dollars. Buy only it now. Want real scrimshaw. How hard what? would it be to find a whale, like a dead whale, not a live whale? Don't do that. I don't know. You could find a live one, too. Well, yeah, but I'm not going to take one of its bones. Oh, my goodness. That one's got a pirate ship. Ooh. I must have it. This is... Uh, it's $990 Canadian. Or best offer. Shipping $70. There's probably some import, $69.420. Put in the offer. Get smoked. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so... That was the scrimshaw topic. We'll see you next time. Scrimshaw. I'm a little bit obsessed with this now. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to keep looking at this, this most is, likely. We yeah, <laughs> you thought we were joking. No. We said this is a scrimshaw podcast. Now nobody's it's listening. Not, yep. Except unless maybe we found somebody in France who's really into scrimshaw. I don't know. Okay. Uh, what are what are we talking about today? Okay, so today we were talking about a uh, kind. Of, I I think it's an an interesting and 
probably probably slightly underrated uh, Canadian album. Uh, Reconstruction Site by The Weaker Vans uh, is released August 26th. Oh my goodness, it was released today. What? This is Are you serious? Date. We're recording this on August 26th. Holy crap, this is the 17th anniversary of the release of Reconstruction Site. It's kind of 17 years, eh? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. 17 years. Uh, yeah, it, 2003. Um, uh, Reconstruction Site is a third studio album by The Weaker Vans, released August 26th. 2003 a song cycle about grief regret loss and eventual eventual hope the album is thematically framed by three tracks manifest hospital vespers and past due which set set three different sonnets following a terminally ill hospital patient into the aftermath of his death to the same melody other songs examine but you know what this is not really it's uh, getting in the weeds a little it bit it is in the weeds and i want to know about its reception or whatever um, it got. I, it was very well critically received. Yes, as you can see from the professional ratings pane. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yes. Thanks, Wikipedia. Yeah. So you brought this to my attention a couple of weeks ago, maybe one week ago. Yeah. I think I had heard of the band before. I'd certainly never sought them out. Uh, so this is kind of an interesting experience for me. <sighs> I'd be happy to let you lead the conversation because I think you are the more knowledgeable one about it. I'm um, good. I'm just wondering but, if there's still uh, if there's still a band. Well, shoot, I don't know. Um, but the oh, fir- they're on hiatus since 2014. That's mm. very sad, actually. I'm telling you right now, man. The first thing I thought about when I heard this album was this is like Liam Good music. If I've ever heard it in my life, our good, our lovely friend Liam, uh, just this is exactly what he would listen. to. It's got to. a vibe. Yeah, but he's got good. He's got pretty good the, taste in music. The uh, <laughs> you like how I just revised that from good to pretty yes. good. That was just because of the, me without um, you. Yeah, I know that does take it down. Peg. Yeah, the uh, the way I dis- I would describe it to people would be bright eyes mixed with the tragically hip. Yeah, that's probably fair. There's a bit like, and I don't mean that in terms of like you. Whenever you draw comparisons between musical acts, there's always like a derivative connotation kind of connotation there yeah which i absolutely don't mean to imply um but there is a bit of that i mean a canadian band we're talking about canadian music and stuff but there's that kind of americana twang twangy almost country guitars in some tracks Mm -hmm. and uh the singers got kind of a bit of a pitchiness like kind of a folky like a folky kind of pitchiness is the lyrics are very uh, verbose in parts, yeah. Like Connor Oberst is known to be. Um, my coworker, uh, who grew up in Winnipeg, was kind of contemporary. He's been in bands and that sort of thing. He's contemporary with these guys in the Weaker Dance, and uh, kind of grew up playing shows uh, with and around them. I think that these guys are a couple years older than mm-hmm. my coworker. And, uh, but he kind of, he kind of, uh, he's got a work radio and an iPod absolutely loaded to the gills with all random sorts of music. And the weaker than just played a couple times, um, like over the course of a few days. And I just kept taking notice. Like I'd ask him like, who is this? Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of, I kind of like this. And the answer always seemed to be the weaker thans. And, uh, so I, I asked him which album he would recommend I check out first and this was it so that's kind of what brought me here 
Uh, do you want me to just leap right on into my review then? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sure. So, yeah. like, I really, I really am enjoying this album like a a great deal. Um, it's the the musical stylings on it kind of trade almost a pop punk aesthetic yeah that's in parts that was the genre that i had picked for it in my mind i was just mulling that over just for kicks i guess and i i landed on i think it's pop punk i don't know but like i don't think it's fair to confine it to pop punk mostly because i hate pop punk in so much as you could pick a a normal genre for it without being like i hate these subdivided genres that's like chamber wave new pop (laughs) post 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 bowel movement yeah industrial yeah 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 so in terms of picking a real genre i would say industrial jazz is the most frightening sounding genre i've ever i'm pretty sure spotify said my most listened to genre was like chamber pop yeah and i still don't know what that means yeah i don't know either but uh i i would and i know that this is but this the sound of this album is from the heyday of alternative rock yeah like there's there's a really beautiful mixture here all the guys by the way who um as my coworker was telling me glenn is his name glenn was telling me um all the guys from the weaker thans grew up playing in like hardcore punk bands which kind of explains i could hear that the guys the lead singer's name is john k sampson kind of explains his voice mm-hmm. which is kind of a punky uh nasally you know he really just it's almost he's borderline talking mm-hmm. <laughs> in some of it but i just i found this album to be just this really wonderful kind of winding prismatic like the, like a hallway with doors off of it rooms that are interconnected and touching touching on everything from depression to nostalgia illness your hometown and like love i guess and and the feeling of like a crisp bright canadian winter at points i think this is such a distinctly canadian album and i just love it for that it's that's something that i think maybe as i've grown as i've become an adult and got a sort of sense of national pride it's something i really enjoy absolutely the tragically hip or leonard cohen or rush or whatever and this just with all of its neil different, young neil young yeah with all of its different canada references yeah and just that sound i i'm not sure if it's something where i just think it sounds canadian because i know it is canadian no it's it sounds canadian like you can hear the plaid and yeah. like you can you can you would never be afraid to walk up to like one of these guys standing outside in their plaid flannel having a smoke after the show yeah like you'd be and you'd know that they would be great i could just picture them playing on an outdoor stage in yeah. in montreal <laughs> when it's like minus five celsius and that, like loving it there's that yeah. one our lady peace concert from the yeah. gravity era where it's like minus 15 and, and they're, they're like rocking it yeah, yeah exactly love that uh, canada yeah. i love you but yeah absolutely and and they're like t- songs like reconstruction site the mm-hmm. title track oh, i love that song the the nostalgia like he yeah. fell asleep in his brand new winter coat and you know mom and dad talking and laughing on the long ride home and you know the, the, some of it is just it rings so weirdly true like it's like what we were saying 
I can't remember how I said it, but I said it so nicely on our favorite albums, mm-hmm. uh, which may go up before or after this. I don't know. But I said there are some art. Some artists write songs that feel like they're about you, and art, other artists write stories yeah. of other people. Yeah, this feels like it's about you. Yeah, you know, it feels like something that happened to me, and I can't quite put my finger on it when like it happened dream. or yeah. what it was, but. But I remember it. Like it yeah. It's almost like certain songs encapsulate perfectly the feeling of being a kid and sitting in like a beam of sunlight coming through yeah. a window and just every every part of the world being still and perfect in that moment, mm. you know, that nostalgic feeling, which I'm a complete slut for. Oh, yeah. Um, the album also moves at like a wonderfully engaging pace. Yeah. I was... Song never oh, the longest song i think is four and a half minutes yeah oh, and that's it's so uh it's only a 40 minute album but it's 14 tracks yeah which is really fantastic another holdover definitely from the whole punk thing right yeah um there's a I'm lot of sure sub three longest, minute songs yeah. on here yeah so four minutes and 36 seconds is the longest song hallelujah by quite a lot yeah actually and uh and if anything, some of the songs might feel a little truncated, yeah, uh, a little short. But again, that's kind of the I like that sound. That's kind of the mode that this band was functioning on, in on this album. And also, I haven't listened to any uh, other Weaker Than's albums, so yeah, I can't really speak to their broad discography. But uh, yeah, the the writing lyrically, at least, is completely outstanding like i'd put it on par with like i'd probably put it on par almost almost with neil young or like not it's not leonard That's cohen fair. but like no. it's it's wonderful like the it's writing really the writing i put down here is nimble playful evocative verbose and enviable <laughs> i think it's mostly pretty straightforward too compared to we're we're preparing to review the new bright eyes album at the time we're recording this and uh, the Bright Eyes album can be really hard to follow sometimes. It's super well written, but it's very lyrically dense and uh, not just verbose, but kind of obtuse. And I think he this is a very wordy album, but I think it's pretty easy to track with most of the time. There's, there, and I love the song about the cat. Oh my goodness. I think that's we'll such get to, a, we'll that's get to such that. a, that's we'll such get to a that. great song. And it's simple. You don't... It's not in riddles. You don't have to wonder what it's he's talking about, but it's just it's playful and yeah. fun and nostalgic and um elemental in the sense that uh the lyrics the lyrics help you really easily understand what the song is about and nothing more, and that's really special. Like especially in I'm on I'm wide awake it's morning, the bright eyes album. The which has some of, if not the best, writing like for an album. Was that in your top ten? Because that was in my top ten. I'm not sure if it was in my. If it's not, it was like barely edged out. Yeah. And like it will certainly bubble up at some time. Yeah. It's like it might as well be in there. Um, but that album, which I think is Connor Ober's best writing by you know a half decent stretch. Um. Yeah, the the writing is so poetic in how it presents things and images, you know? The the sidewalk holds diamonds like a jewelry store case. Like a mm-hmm. line like that which is 
so brilliant and poetic and evocative and visual. Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of things at once. This is pretty much just narrative. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's much more like, straightforward, and I the, appreciate at that. At the same time, the way that these songs are written on this album is so effortless. Like, like we were saying about the title track. Like, it's... You know, and it broke like a bad joke somebody's uncle told at a wedding reception in 1972. And a little boy under the table with cake in his hair watched the grown-ups' legs as they danced and swayed. So it's just, you know, it's like it's playful just, and, and but beautiful. It, just, it's, it is, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to say skeletal because that sounds bad, but it's like almost minimal. Elemental. It's, it's yeah. just north of minimal. Beautiful. Anyway, the musical accompaniment is very solid. The drum and bass, especially on Our Retired Explorer, mm-hmm. that song, are, yeah. like, really good. Yeah. Their performance you know, overall is pretty tight. And I also made a note of that, too. This, when you listen to this album, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that this band w- would open a can of whoop-ass at any concert. Yeah, oh, like you sure. can You can sense that, can't you? Like, that mm-hmm. energy and that chemistry in the band. Yeah. Um... My favorite tracks, Reconstruction Site, in case you couldn't tell. Yeah, the title oh, track. love that like, song. Like, it's just absolutely hauntingly beautiful. Uh, Psalm for the Elks Lodge Last Call. Mm-hmm. You know that one? That's towards you, the end of the album, right? No, yeah. it's not. It's towards the it's beginning not. of the album. I've listened, to this, play, one, I've listened to this album a lot in my car, and I don't know what any of the tracks are I'll called. I'll just play a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. Let the waitress put the chairs up. Let the glasses that she broke. Oh my good sounds. Form good. a picture of our leader a with a hair, halo made, made of smoke. With a halo made of smoke. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's definitely one of my favorites. Just a beautiful oh perfect our secret handshake once more with feeling. Like beautiful um plea from a cat named Virtue. So the first time I was really listening to this album, I had my big noise-canceling headphones on, and I was doing the tile backsplash in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that song came on. And first of all, it's like a rock and pop punk intro. Like, mm-hmm. And then I'm listening to it, and I'm like, this is a beautiful, beautiful song about loving somebody like <clears throat> with depression, being very like being frustrated, like really frustrated. That they don't see how great they are. You know, they don't see how strong they are. Yeah. And and that's her thing. And then the the line of the song comes on, I swear I'm gonna bite you hard and taste your tinny blood. And I literally just I stopped what I was doing and just like belted out a belly laugh. And then I checked the title of the song. Yeah. To because I'm like, I gotta remember this. This song is amazing. And I saw a plea from a cat named Virtue. I was like, it's about his cat. Yeah, and it's very obvious. And it like, is he obvious. Talks about like balls he talks of about, yarn and... and bring. I'm tired of this piece of string. And he talks about bringing him birds. He'll cater yeah. with his the birds he kills. <clears throat> like, but a brilliantly, beautifully, playfully written song. Written song that also has like a core of pure emotion. Like just and then the last one I put down was a new name for everything. Which I think is like maybe the most bright eyes kind of yeah song on Even there. The title, Even, yeah, exactly. And this is before bright eyes, best stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. <coughs> also, the cat's name is Vir- Virtu- Virtute. What? 
Virtute? I thought it was virtue. No, there's another T in there. Oh my Virtute. goodness. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I thought so, but I didn't want to call you out and then be wrong because that would have been embarrassing. Yeah, um, so, uh, like, that's that's all I got to say about it. I, like, above all, for me, it just really emotionally resonant. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I think if we were doing this podcast when we were um, eight and four years old, this could have been in the discussion for uh, album of the year from 2003, but I also don't know much music from 2003. Isn't that nuts? This album came out when we were eight and four. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound that old. I don't know. It has that early 2000s sound, though, I think. That's quite emblematic of that time period. Not, I don't know, the twangy guitar. Yeah. The, that mix of, like, the pop punk definitely dates it a bit. But at the same time, that countryfied kind of sound, I think it's pretty timeless. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a time stamp of when something was made. No, it's, certainly not. It's, uh, I think it's a, a good sound for sure. And it really, it, it doesn't sound that much like House of Heroes, but it reminds me of that. And I, I was don't a, understand House why. of Heroes was kind of a pretty small time band that I listened to a lot when I was probably in like seventh and eighth grade. They had some good songs, I still think, um, by today's House standards. of Heroes was like very technically dense, like yeah. prog rock. They were almost. pop punk. Uh, they were chamber pop. <laughs> prog, prog pop. Yeah. They, they were really good. Yeah. So overall with this album, I've probably only listened to, I'm going to say I've listened to the whole thing through like five times. And I've listened to the beginning a few more times. Uh, so, so these are more impressions than a definitive review. But I think it's a really fun album. And I wouldn't gush over it quite as much as you did, but I agree with almost everything you've said. And I think the only things I took umbrage with in my notes here are... I think the, the guitar tone is decent, and I don't mind it at all, but I think it's really samey throughout the album. And I would have liked to hear a little bit more variation there. Because I think... I feel like the songs lacked a distinct separation, but I think the only thing that would have had to happen for that to change is a bit more varied instrumentation tone overall. Like, even the range the guitarist played in was similar a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's not... And also, like, keys they played in. Yeah. And just that kind of, like, the melodies that they hang out It's not a deal breaker, but it's one of those things where... A couple issues I had could have been resolved by one change. A few things would have clicked into place. I do think that that issue, quote unquote, does lend to a more cohesive... Like, it makes the album easier to swallow, Mm -hmm. if you know what... Like, it feels... It does feel more like a piece because of that. But I think you can have both. I could say almost the same thing about I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning. But I think you can have both. Like, I'm Wide Wide Awake, It's Morning does have more variation in tempo and instrumentation and stuff like that than this album does and i mean yeah it's not really a fair comparison because i think that bright eyes album is an absolute masterpiece and uh this is a great album but it's not a masterpiece on the same level the writing i do think is really excellent we talked about that already so i'm not going to get really into it and i just once again i love the distinctly canadian signature that this album bears hearing the song about like i hate winnipeg I need, to, so... I need to break that down, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Because Glenn is from Winnipeg. Yes. Right? My coworker. Yeah. He swears to me that that is his favorite song the Weaker Thans have ever done because he can picture 
every place they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like even the dollar store, he yeah. says. So <clears throat> I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you remember better than I do, but they talk about coming off of the subway yeah. or something in Winnipeg. And then they go to the dollar store. Mm-hmm. And Glenn says that there's a dollar store right outside the subway in Winnipeg. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And the golden boy, mm-hmm. the, the golden business boy, mm-hmm. um, there's like a big golden statue on top of like one of their legislative buildings or something. And the golden statue of this boy faces out over the north part of Winnipeg, which is like the slums. Yeah. And so that's why it's like uh, the golden business boy watches the North End die and his arcing wrecking ball proclaims, I hate Winnipeg or here something like that. That's yeah. Like, the, like I have a picture of so, it here. It's on a legislative building. And and I the song is funny, right? Mm-hmm. But if if you knew Winnipeg, yeah. like for Glenn, that's like a deeply resonant, incredibly nostalgic song for him mm-hmm. because he knows like... And there's there's another weaker than song too where they reference um, one of their friends who died in a tragic car accident and mm-hmm. Glenn knew the guy yeah, who passed away. That is crazy. And like it's stuff like that that like these these guys are. And I mean Glenn's the only person I know from Winnipeg, but you got to think about the resonance of that music and like the power of it for that area. Yeah, like, I think it's just so cool. And I appreciate too. It's a lot easier to make. Uh albums about LA than it is about Winnipeg yeah and so many Canadians like look at I mean I was gonna say no disrespect maybe a little bit of disrespect look at Drake he's not Canadian at all he's just no un-American now who was born in Canada he just references the six yeah and then everybody loves him because he watches the Raptors yeah congratulations and you look at this and how distinctly not sell-out-y it is and I think that's excellent so I think the writing is really fantastic. There's a huge hometown bias. I think the instrumentation is good, but I think that's what holds it back from being like a legendary album. I'm yeah. going to keep listening to it for sure, and I'm going to continue to develop my opinion. Um, I think it's going to age well. Yeah, I think it's something that's going to grow on me. Yeah. And I have been a little bit... Uh, my music listening has been under pressure a little bit more than normal, just between... I've been listening to less music than normal. We've been getting ready for a couple albums at once. And that does affect the way that an album develops for me in the short term. Totally. But in the long term, it always shakes out. It is really hard to critically listen to an album in your spare time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And for me, my drive to and from work is five minutes. Mm -hmm. And even I have a longer drive, but after a long day, you like space out and you're like, I didn't hear the last four songs at all. That's what I was doing. Like I was listening to... How did I even get here in my car? (laughs) I was listening to Bright Eyes on the way to mom and dad's and on the way back here Mm -hmm. and trying to like, you know, be critical. Might as well have been listening to Crazy Frog. Yeah, I could have been listening. No, yeah, no, no, I couldn't have been listening to that. Anyway, I want to, we're, I'm done if you're done, but I'm done. I want to talk about something briefly. And if anybody's still listening and you want to stick around, go right ahead. Cause this is the only time probably we're going to talk about this. Okay. Uh, I started watching this limited Netflix series that I think is really cool. Dad's been enjoying it a lot, which kind of surprised me, but not really. It's called high score. Have you seen this? It just I've came up seen, on, um, I've seen like, uh, ads for it. Mm hmm. It just came out on Netflix a week or two ago, and it's a docu-series. Here's, here's what Netflix says. This docu-series traces the history of classic video games, 
featuring insights from the innovators who brought these worlds and characters to life. So he's telling me the Doom guy with the long, beautiful hair. Isn't he's there? in John Romero. <laughs> he's, Nailed it. I knew he'd be in there. He, God bless you, well, John Romero. I love your freaking hair. I don't know if he's in there, but Doom is featured in the last episode, which I haven't gotten to yet. So I su- assume he's one of the most iconic uh, Doom people. So the, the first episode beautiful starts hair. talking about uh, Pac-Man and Space Invaders. Yep. And then the second episode is about the NES and the competitive like Nintendo World Championships and gameplay counselors, people who would be on the phone doing that. And uh, the third episode that I just watched today is about uh, the birth of role-playing games and how people created... You know what a teletype is? Uh, it's like that's the... there's a keyboard and there's a roll of paper and it just spits out paper. <laughs> and instead of having a screen, it uses paper. Sure. This guy made a video game Shut on the up. paper, so really? it'd be like all like asterisks for walls, and then like a little made a cartoon dude out of characters, and it'd be like a capital A represents a giant enemy ant, and you could like what? press an arrow key and your character would move down, and what? you'd wait ten seconds for it to print out another page. So it was like a video game, but all on paper. <laughs> That's insane. It's so cool. Yeah. So this is a great series. It's very high budget, very well produced, full of fascinating stories. One more, very quick one. Uh, they have a bunch of these MIT dropouts who dropped out of MIT because one guy had a bit of extra money, I think, from a scholarship. So he bought an arcade and started having people like pay to play it, as you do with an arcade machine, like one yes. machine. Yeah, yeah. And it was so successful, they bought another one and another, and eventually they had like 15 in this dorm, and they were raking it in. <laughs> then they started to lose money because people got too good at the game and could play for too long. Yeah. So they developed these circuit board modifiers that they would solder onto the arcade board, and it would make the games harder. It was essentially what? like physical DLC. What? And they started to sell these to arcade people around... North America, yes. and in the span of like three months at first, they made a quarter million dollars. So they just holy dropped out of MIT because they were like, "Well, shucks, well, we're just going to do this." And they just saw the future, and then and then they got to arcades. Then they got sued by uh, <laughs> by I forget Midway, I think. But yeah, that's highly recommended Netflix series. You got to watch it. Sounds... It's only six episodes, probably like uh, forty-five minutes each or something. Yeah, like not even. That sounds very entertaining. It's a combination of fascination and also nostalgia trip for Dad. Although yeah. we're we're getting out of his domain a bit, but uh, but just fascinating. Yeah, that sounds great. Highly cool. recommended. High score on Netflix. And if you have, if there's something that you would highly recommend uh, for us to speak about, review, whatever, uh, do let us know. You can find us on uh, Instagram. At the Good Ship Brothership, I believe. I think so. <laughs> uh, or you can just type in the Good Ship Brothership. We'll We're always going to come up. up. Yeah. yeah. You can find us on Facebook as well. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening if you did. Love and if you, you didn't, thanks anyway. Okay. Peace out. Bye.